Ladies and gentlemen, we now welcome on a very special guest, Mr. Ryan Spagnoli. Ryan is the Patriots beat reporter for SB Nation's Pat's Pulpit and co-host of the Patriot Nation podcast. Ryan, thanks for joining us, and how are we doing? Doing well, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you hanging on. Um, always always good to talk to um, – I like talking to you know other teams and, and going on other podcasts. I think it gives you a good perspective, so I appreciate you having me. And you're not lying because you're coming live from your car in the parking lot of a men's league, beer league, hockey game. Correct. Yep. Uh, <laughs> hung them up two years ago when I graduated from college. Um, and now now beer league here. I'll play twice a week. And I like to say everybody ends up on the same sheet no matter when you stop playing. So, Love that. Hey, tell us a little bit about – we're familiar with Pat's Pulpit. We had someone on a few years ago when we last time we played you guys. Uh, that game that I think was when Brady came off his suspension and we were the first game and just got truck rolled. Um, tell us a little about – are you born or raised New England Patriots fan? And then how how did you get involved with the podcast and uh, Pat's Pulpit? Yeah, for sure, yeah. Born and raised here in Massachusetts. Um, been a Patriots fan my, my entire life, I'd like to say. If we didn't have Tom Brady, I don't know what, if, if I'd be doing this. Uh, I think, you know, it, watching him and growing up around him certainly, uh, you know, started the fandom. Uh, as for Pat's Paul, I started there when I was in college, just doing a little bit of stuff, kind of doing a little bit on Twitter. I think it's a it's cool day and age, right? Social media has got its pros and cons, but I think the biggest thing that uh, the be- biggest benefit to it is you're able to kind of create your own network and, and network yourself in a way you don't necessarily have to go you know a, a college or get a certain degree it's just kind of how, how you put yourself out there so uh did that started in high school all the way through college and and this is my first year on the beat with the patriots so it's been cool as somebody that is in tune with patriots fans did you see any type of drop off or change in the culture once tom left did a, did a bunch of people follow him or uh i mean i know that it doesn't seem like there's any uh bad blood obviously that'd be that would make you guys insane i mean he only delivered you six rings but any change in the fan base since his exodus yeah i think it's a it's a weird you know kind of situation right with last year being covid and then brady going to the the super bowl and obviously winning it um it was certainly tough i think last year too with cam newton and not really having a i guess a succession plan to him uh, but now this year with, with the fans back in and then obviously spending a first-round pick on Mac Jones and how well he's played, um, I think Patriots fans are kind of moved on from that. It, it, you know, everybody still roots for him. Everybody still uh, appreciates what he did here. I think most of the fan base does, right? You get some people here crazy for sports. I'm sure you know that. You get some idiots and people that followed him and hate Belichick. But I think for the most part, now that you know he's moved on, he's obviously happy, uh, and now the Patriots have a, a franchise quarterback, uh, so we think. Uh, I think it's it, the 
the, the wound is healed, put it that way. But I think last year with COVID and not having fans there and how bad they did, they hadn't won that many. They hadn't won seven games in, you know, 20 years. So it was definitely weird. But I think now that everything's kind of settled in, uh, people have, you know, kind of accepted the fact and moved on. Just a casual reminder of the total opposite of our 20 years. Unbelievable. Yeah. So speaking of quarterbacks, the early returns on Mac Jones are – Solid to say the least. Top ten in accuracy, completing sixty eight percent of his passes. Think about thinking uh, back to the draft this summer or this April. When the hell was it? What were your expectations going into the draft this year with that first round pick you guys had? And then how'd you react when you drafted Mac Jones on Alabama? Um, I was fired up. I was a big Mac Jones guy. Um, my pulpit colleagues, I'm saving the video for when he wins an MVP or wins a rookie of the year. <laughs> they did a, kind of a live draft feed, and they were they were just they were a little broken. They didn't like the pick, right? Because at the time, man, it really wasn't a sexy pick, right? Like, I was really big into Justin. I think his game last night can tell you why. He's super talented. Um, with that first-round pick, you know, I, I had done a couple scenarios, maybe a trade-up to kind of get into the top five to get a fielder Jones, uh, but obviously they didn't need to. I think they played the board perfectly, and I think Mac Jones all along was the quarterback that they wanted. Um, you know, everybody likes to, you know, get on you when you compare the two because it's it's not necessarily comparing resumes and talent because Tom Brady's so good, but when you look at Mac Jones, Early on in his career versus, you know, a young Tom Brady, there are some similarities, right? They're not necessarily going to wow you with their athleticism. They, they can't really extend plays with their legs. You can roll them out a little bit, make some plays on the run, but he was so good in the pocket. Uh, has, has such a knack for feeling pressure. It's great footwork and maneuvers way in there to buy himself more time, similar to what Tom did. Um, so I always thought that was a fit, right? But everybody liked to bring up the one-year starter, had the you know the supporting cast with all those first-round wide receivers, but they really looked past his kids intangibles. He's super smart. Like I said, uh, ran a pro-style offense down there. You know, arguably, uh, if Joe Burrow didn't do Joe Burrow, he would have had the best college career ever, a uh, single season ever. So, um, yeah, I was I was super high on Mac Jones. I had him as my number three quarterback behind. Fields. I was kind of in the boat, Fields or Lawrence, uh, Fields or, or Mac Jones. Um, I was happy with the pick. Very happy. You guys got off to a one and three start, but you just won three in a row and four of your last five. So besides having Mac Jones being a rookie QB and getting his feet on the NFL, I guess what led to that slow start and how did it flip around so quickly? I, I just think they were in complimentary fall, and I think they were they were relying too much on Mac Jones to kind of win them games. Um, and I think that's something he's done extremely well. I think when you look at rookie quarterbacks, it's, hey, you don't really have to win me a game. It's can you not lose me a game? And I think that's something he's done really well. Um, the timely fumble week one, they were going down to kick a game-winning field goal versus Miami, Damian Harris fumbles. Uh, Tampa, they're right there in a, at, at the end. A questionable call. Do you go for it on fourth down? Do you kick? They end up kicking in a monsoon, missing. Uh, Dallas, right? You know, the third and 25 they're playing in, in in you know super soft coverage they give up a third and 25 kick a field goal in overtime um i think now they're really figuring out their defense and what bill belichick does and people you know they were jumping off the you know basically the bridge here up here uh, he uses the first four weeks as a as a you know i guess an extended preseason um i think 
that's kind of what they did. He likes to see what he has, what he, you know, what personnel groups work, what schemes work, and I think they're starting to figure it out. The Patriots have all, you know, you know, they'd start two and two, the sky's falling, and then rot off, you know, eight, ten wins in a row, and you know they'll blink and be the one seed. So uh, I'm not necessarily saying that's the case now, but I just think they found their identity as a group. They're a power run team. They've taken kind of the training wheels off Mac Jones a little bit. The defense, like you said, has been playing super well, defending the run. That, that's something they struggled with early on. So I just think ultimately they, they found kind of their identity as a group, and they know how to win football games, and it starts with that defense. Yeah, Patriots had some uh, core defensive players opt out last year due to COVID. Um, but if I'm not mistaken, their top 10 overall in defense and top five in scoring defense, even after tra- trading uh, Stefan Gilmore, um, can you talk about who's been highlighting your defense? Uh, J.C. Jackson had a couple of picks, I think, last week, and Jamie Collins, short-term. Well, I didn't know was still playing. Player. I don't know he was still playing. That's why I put Jamie Collins on there just to see what the hell he's even up to. I heard he, I had a good game last weekend, though. So highlighting our defense, I think you said J.C. Jackson, um, a lot kind of went to that Gilmore situation. I think they kind of handled it poorly. Uh, they knew that both Gilmore and Jackson were both going to be unrestricted free agents at the end of this year. Um, obviously, you know, dealing Gilmore for a six-round pick wasn't great. Um, but I think J.C. Jackson has, has kind of been that cornerback one, and he's proven it. Uh, over the course of the season, you look at the Patriots for the last 10 years, it, it, from Akeem Tlaib to Darrell Revis to Malcolm Butler, Stephon Gilmore, now J.C. Jackson. That defense starts with a true number one corner that can play man coverage, uh, and he's proven it. Uh, he, he changed his Instagram name to Mr. Interception. That's what they call him up here. Uh, broke a record most interceptions through the first four years of, of a Patriots career for 22 this past weekend. Um, and then I just think up front, too, with Matthew Judon, uh, has really been, I think, the best free agent signing across the league. Uh, nine and a half, I think he's third in the league right now, trailing only you know your Miles Garrett and T.J. Watt. Uh, somebody that they ne- really haven't had. Um, you know, they never really have players with high sack volume because they like to have the versatility, right? Yeah, uh, you know, get after the quarterback, but also be able to play against the run. I think Judon's done that perfectly. Uh, and then, like you said, they get those core guys back. Hightower, Van Noy came back, Jamie Collins, guys that know that really block. You guys just won't die. Hang on, we lost you again, Ryan. That was a good line. Now I think we're yep. back. Yep, sorry about that. My buddy's calling me right now. <laughs> He's coming in and out. No worries. Um, no, I just say uh, you guys just won't die. I mean, look, Gilmore leaves. There's your number one lockdown corner, one of the stars of your defensive side for years. And then J.C. Jackson comes out of nowhere, and he's looking like one of the better corners in the league now. Brady leaves. You got Mac Jones, who's coming in. He's at least uh, on his way, not to being Tom Brady. But you guys got a quarterback, it looks like. Um, But what I want to ask you about next is the running backs. Your running back core has been dealt. A lot of injury blows this season. But somehow you guys are still getting over 100 yards per game. Talk about Brandon Bolden, Damian Harris, uh, Stevenson. Uh, you know, that just it, it's just typical Belichick. You know, just when you think he's down, he's still going to throw up 100 yards per game. And it's just, like I said, you guys just refuse to die. Yeah, I, I mean, all it, it didn't look great when James White went down. That You know, that, that's been their kind of their Mr. Reliable for so long. Uh, but Brandon Bolden has stepped in, a veteran guy. 
Um, it, contributing on third down, that's a guy who's been primarily a special teamer. You know, then you mix in, right, Damian Harris, who I was high on coming out of Alabama, power back, uh, can run between the tackles, tough runner, runs hard. Uh, and then you're flashing in, you know, Ramondre Stevenson, who I like to think is a, is a little bit of a LeGarrette Blunt, uh, but a little bit more shiftier, can can catch some passes out of the backfield. And then J.J. Taylor's like a little Deion Lewis. So they got a good little mix in there. Um, you know, they've they've overperformed, especially, like I said, after losing James White. I thought that was kind of the end. Uh, the biggest thing that's, that's going to haunt them, though, is they're really one injury away in there, primarily to Damian Harris from really having some trouble. So they they have a ton of depth in there. They went into, you know, the year with a lot of depth, but losing White, if you if if Damian Harris kind of gets nicked up, uh things could get interesting. But at, up to this point, they've been uh I think the true anchor of that offense. So we've heard the rumors of uh the Patriots are giving Odell a look. We we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. Do you think that's a stunt where Belichick's just trying to get some insight on Brown's offense and then they just cut him and leave him or do you think that it's legitimate and they're going to try to make him a part of the system I I think if anything it's it's the Browns playing a little bit with with the Patriots you know wait until Monday to wave him so he can't get into the building but no Belichick has loved Odell Beckham for a long time he's tried to trade for him a couple times when he was on the Giants Um, I think there's mutual respect there from the things I'm hearing the Patriots are right in the mix uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he is a member of the Patriots but by the time this podcast is out from from everything that I'm hearing. Um, like I said, I think there's a mutual respect between the two. I, I mean, and you guys can speak on a little bit more. I, I think the biggest thing with Odell was, um, you know, he, he and it's no offense to the Browns because I like what Stefanski's doing. I really like what the Browns have been, you know, building the last few years. I was a big, big Cleveland Browns guy last year. I think it really gels from when he was with the Giants, the lack of structure and kind of culture in a room. I think there's something about the Patriots, even though Tom Brady's gone, Bill Belichick's still there, Robert Kraft, just the history there. It's kind of hard to to, to not be attracted to that and, and really kind of go off the rails because this is a last chance for him, right? Because if he goes to New England, say, and it doesn't work out and it's kind of you're hearing the same things about his antics, I don't know a team that would touch him with a 10-foot pole because if Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels can't get through to him, I don't know if anybody else can. So uh, I do like the fit. I think he'd fit schematically in this offense, a guy that can play inside and outside. Is he the same Odell? No. But when you look at the Patriots, they don't have a true number one. And they never really have, but I think they lack speed and kind of that playmaking ability. I think they're one piece away on offense, and I think he could fit that, even if it's a little one-year trial. There's no question that the Patriots are, if not one of the most respected professional sports organization in the country. You're the success of the rings. Belichick, one of the best of all time. So that is obviously, without question, one of the the number one selling point. But you kind of answer the question I was going to ask you is, and this is, again, no disrespect to the Patriots, but what would be that big selling point right now? Because Odell's always been, oh, I want to go play for uh, an Aaron Rodgers or Russ or, or Tom Brady. I guess, why would he go now to the Patriots and play with Mac Jones? Yeah, I think that's the biggest hurdle that both sides have to overcome. It's it's basically Belichick versus an established quarterback. Um, I think if you're Odell, if I'm Odell, I look myself in the mirror and say, you know, it hasn't panned out in two places. I need a little structure. I need kind of that you know, that hard coaching, somebody that's going to keep my head right and make sure that I'm doing the right things. Um, and I think at this point in Odell's career, that 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 should be a priority over, you know, going to an Aaron Rodgers who 
you know, Matt LaFleur, how good of a coach is he really without Aaron Rodgers? You don't really know that. Uh, I do think Seattle's enticing, but is he going to be that number one guy with, I, I'd take that DK Metcalf and, and Tyler Lockett. I think it's a yeah. similar situation than what he had in Cleveland, maybe with a better quarterback and a little bit more structure. Um, I, I just think at this point in his career, when he looks at all his options and it seems like he has a couple, uh, it's hard to look past the Patriots. And, and I think, and one thing just from being down there and covering the team this year, Mac Jones is a rookie, but he has a, a certain aura to him where guys respect him. Guys play hard for him. He's the first guy out last first guy in last guy out type of thing. Um, has, has been on social media the whole year. Um, you know, very straight edge. You could tell he was raised the right way. I think even though he's so young, it's a guy that's easy to respect and a guy that, you know, is easy to play for. Um, and I think that's attracted too for, for his, his sake. Well, a couple more. Cause I know you got to get going to a hockey game. Very jealous, by the way, <laughs> it doesn't take a football genius to expect Bill Belichick's going to just stop Chubb. Well, we don't have any running backs right now. Currently. Um, that's not a joke. They're De'Aaron on COVID protocol. The Dearness jo- jo- Johnson show. Well, now he's, he's listed as questionable because he was contact. I don't even know how the COVID stuff works, but anyway, Let's pretend we do have running backs on Sunday. Like I said, it doesn't take a football genius to know that Bill Pelagic is going to just stop that run or try to stop the run and just have Baker beat him with his arm. What other trickery, trickery, wow. What other trickery can we expect from uh, from Bill? And what do you expect to see in terms of a game plan there? Yeah, I think you, you said it. I think when you look back at the matchup, what was it, two years ago, they played in New England in that rainstorm. I think that was Tom's last year. Chubb had like 30 carries for 190, 160 yards or something. And Baker was 12 for 25, right? So, and obviously like the conditions probably had a little bit to do with it, but I think you'll see that, right? He's going to allow Chubb to, he's going to allow Chubb to to get his, he's going to allow him to touch the ball, you know, 25, 30 times. And he's going to say, if you want to beat us, run the ball, that's fine. Uh, And really force Baker to do it. I think offensively, uh, you might see a little bit of a game plan like you saw last week. Mac Jones only threw the ball 18 times. Uh, that's a really good front that, that you guys have over there, obviously led by Miles Garrett. Um, and our tackle spots have been kind of a big question mark for us this year. So um, I, I think both teams power run game. And, and it's going to be a good matchup. I think, you know, the Patriots obviously beat the Chargers two weeks ago. That's a team that they'll be competing with for that last spot, assuming, you know, they don't win the division. Uh, and then obviously with Cleveland, like I said, if the Patriots don't win the AFC East, that's a team you're going to be competing with for that six and seven spot. So um, I think this is a big, big week for both teams. Um, and, and I think, you know, looking back in, you know, at the end of the year, if, you know, two, one team gets in one or the other, I think you look back at this game and see whoever wins. Uh, that was kind of the, you know, the stepping stool to get in. It's every Sunday, man. It's like, give me one break, but it doesn't exist. It's also, you bring up the, uh, the Chargers victory you guys had, that was two weeks ago, yeah? Yep, the, yeah. The, I don't know if I just have a short-term memory. I mean, I do have a short-term memory, but <laughs> it, it seems like I, I thought there were like 10 teams that were just incredible this year, and now it's like the entire board has been shuffled. Like, Yeah, I mean, than, when you look I, at the AFC, like, you know, there's, there's nine teams with four or five wins. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Buffalo, Buffalo lets you guys right back in. Yep. How great is that? Just from an outside perspective, watching that, you know, you guys have been haunting their dreams for the last, well, forever. And they thought they were on their way. Then they blow that game. And now here they are. The Pats are right behind them again. Yeah. That, I mean, 
I talked about it going into the Jets week. The Patriots had a string of five games versus, you know, you know, good opponents, but winnable games, right? The Jets, uh, they played the Chargers, you know, uh, Carolina, you know, Cleveland's probably their toughest test with t- Tennessee in two weeks. And then Atlanta, if they could go four and one and get into that Buffalo game, seven and five, uh, you know, you, you can squeak out one, maybe split with them and, and let some teams do some, some, you know, beating up on them and, and, you know, Hey, maybe it's a week 15 game where you're, where you're facing off and it's for the division. You never know. Only one loss separates them. Uh, I do still think the bills are the best team in the AFC. I know Tennessee's playing really good football right now, but uh, I'd be surprised if the Patriots won the division, uh, but I would not be surprised if they made the playoffs. So that makes sense. Oh yeah. It's wide open, wide open. Well, we'll get into some predictions here. Are you superstitious or can you do predictions with us? Score. No, I do predictions every week. I, I love them. I'm, right. I'm not superstitious. Cool. Well, so before we get into it, we haven't beat you guys in New England since like since the, the early gra- 90s. No, false. Belichick, right? In New, in New England, you're saying? In New England. In New I was England. Say, yeah. don't, don't you dare slander the great white rhino. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was one of my favorite Browns games of my life. Well, Peyton, Peyton, Hillis. Hillis. Peyton, Peyton Hillis. Hillis, baby. Peyton Hillis. <laughs> yeah. Well, Cole McCoy is one of the, you know, the four rookie quarterbacks to beat Belichick. That's why I remember that one. So Sunday, we're going to the New England predictions. I, I like the Patriots this week. I do. I think they're, and it's hard. I think it's a close game. This might be a last possession type uh, of game. I, I think they're, they're playing really good football right now. It's hard to beat them. I think that defense has some swagger, that, that identity that I talked about earlier. Uh, I think it'll be really tough for, for Baker to, to, you know, have a game like he did last week. Uh, but I think offensively for the Patriots, they're going to struggle. Denzel Ward's been one of the best cornerbacks in football. Uh, like even with Odell, I don't know even if he signs, say, tomorrow, if he's going to play. Uh, that's a tough kind of system to learn in, in three days. I don't think the Patriots necessarily have the weapons on the outside to be able to move the ball consistently. So I'd expect a low-scoring game. I think the Patriots can squeak it out. I think that home field advantage factor might go a long way. Give me 20-17, to Patriots. I think our defense, big knock on wood, is starting to find itself. I mean, Played really well last week. Played really well. Yeah, uh, we've been waiting for John Johnson to start making some splashes, and Troy Hill had three uh, sacks, which was badass. Shout out him. I think it's going to be a little bit high. I think it's going to be Browns a lot. Patriots, not that much. <laughs> I mean, it, dude, it, it, both teams have been kind of unpredictable, right? Up and down type of year. Uh, but I think both teams are, are finding their identity, I guess, in a way. Um, yeah, so I, I, yeah, I, I think it could go. You never really know. This game's kind of a toss-up, to be honest. The Patriots, when they show up, they can beat anybody. Like, they took the Bucks, the Cowboys, you know, to a last yeah. possession type of yeah. loss. And then... You know, they play down to their competition, almost lose to Houston, lose to Miami. Uh, so they're unpredictable, too. But I think now they're they're starting to find it. I just said that exactly what I said last week, and it worked. So there you go. I have no we'll idea what it. it's actually going to be. Ryan Spagnoli, <laughs> Patriots beat reporter, SB Nation's past pulpit, co-host of Patriot Nation podcast. We'll have all that info in the episode description. Ryan, thanks again, man, for coming on. Really appreciate it, especially from a parking lot. And uh, we'll Hope for a good uh, injury-less game on Sunday. Good luck in your game tonight. And uh, thanks again, man. Hey, anytime, guys. Always a blast talking to you. Um, if you do any NFL draft stuff, let me know. I'll be at the Combine. I do a lot of that in the spring. So I'd love Absolutely. to talk to you guys again. Absolutely, man. Take it easy. And that's a wrap on this episode of the Dogs of War podcast. Thank you all for listening. We will see you later on this week to talk all the current Browns news, such as Teller's contract extension, the game last week. 
and a bunch of other things. So stay tuned. Until then, good night, Cleveland. the story